This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Please be aware that some of the content discussed may be triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Reach Out, the podcast, where we are dedicated to ending sexual violence through advocacy, counseling, education, and more. This is the official podcast of Reach Counseling, located in Northeast Wisconsin. You will learn more about the services we provide and hear from members of our team, sexual assault survivors, and the people who support them. We are so glad you're joining us today and would love to connect with you further. You can find out more about us by going to reachcounseling.com. The interview portion of this episode was recorded in May of 2023. Please keep this in mind when dates and timelines are referenced. This week's episode features an interview with Reach Counseling's Executive Director and CEO, Kristen Trimberger. As you listen, you will discover that Kristen has a huge passion for diversity, equity, and inclusion. She focuses on the mission, vision, and values of Reach as she leads her team. From teaching in Chicago to returning to the Fox Valley where she grew up, to developing into the leader within the nonprofit community that she is. Kristen has a wealth of knowledge to share. One of the highlights of this interview for me was hearing Kristen reflect on what she has learned along her journey. It's refreshing to meet a leader who's constantly looking for ways to improve. So without further delay, here's episode two. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Jessica. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about your time here at REACH, how you got involved, how long you've been here? Back during the pandemic, so during the summer of 2020, I had a recruiter connect with me who had um, actually mentioned REACH counseling in this position. My entire career has been nonprofit, and so even though I had not heard of REACH counseling at that time, I was really, really interested in the opportunity. And then once I was able to connect with the recruiter, the board of directors, their hiring committee, I really, really became passionate about the mission and the work that REACH was doing in our community because it's so impactful. And so I joined in July of 2020. I've been here just over two and a half years, and it has really been a phenomenal experience. The organization has gone through tremendous growth during that time. So with the increase in the demand for our services, All four of our program areas have significantly grown. We've added staff to each of our teams. We also received a very large grant from the government to help us expand our services into Outagamie and Calumet counties because historically REACH has really only provided services in Winnebago. Right. And now we are serving across the Tri-County area. So with all of that expansion comes a lot of probably stress as well as um, victories and challenges. Can you talk a little bit about what's been the highlight of the expansion and what's been probably the most challenging aspect thus far? Yeah, so I will say REACH Counseling has an incredible team of passionate, dedicated, amazingly talented people here. And we absolutely could not have gone through this transition and this growth without each and every one of our team members. Um, I will say that what's been really exciting to watch is just the amount of compassion and care and grace that I have seen our team members give to each other, Mm. to our community partners, especially to our clients that we're serving. Um, 
And it's really them that has have driven this expansion and help us to come out on the other side with honestly, yes, there's been some growing pains, right? So right, right. when you add to your staff and you increase the size of all your programs, that means increased filing, increased admin work. Number of phone calls coming to the office is way higher than what it used to be in the past. Even the number of just people coming in and out of the building, right? right and so right. we've had to adjust to all of that. But I am so proud to say that our team has really done that really, really well. Honestly, better than I ever could have expected. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. As far as challenges, <laughs> I'm going to say the biggest one. So when we received our federal grant funding to expand, our initial hope was to be in our Appleton location by January. Mm -hmm. um, due to the pandemic, I'm sure that many of the listeners out there know that there really has been a backlog. It's been hard harder for us to get the materials that were needed, especially the office furniture, right. in a timely manner. So right. um, I am very excited to share um, <laughs> that we are now in that Appleton space. Um, yes. Our prevention education team, our advocacy team, they are already popping in and out of there, serving clients there. Um, starting June 1, our therapists will be over there, and it's just a really exciting time. But I will say that's been a challenge because, you know, along with the opening of this second location, having that unknown of when we'd actually be set up and have our furniture physically there right. and our team physically there. Um, chairs that, to sit in. Yes, chairs, <laughs> chairs to sit in. Um, that has been challenging, but again, I think we've been able to adjust really smoothly. Talk a little bit about, you know, one thing that I've heard um, a lot in particular about you is that since you came on board, things have changed in a really positive way in the last two and a half years. Can you talk a little bit about how you went about you know, when an organization's been around since 1976, obviously the the culture and society has changed in so many ways. And this organization has had to navigate a lot of change. So how did you come in and, and keep what was really working, but also adjust what needed to be addressed? Or, or how did you go about doing that? Because I've heard that you've done a really great job with that, not only from staff members, but also from board members and from volunteers. That's a common theme that's come up about you. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, thank you for those kind words. I, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. You know, 2020 was an interesting time to take over leadership of an organization. Um, you know, we were in the midst of the pandemic. Um, there was a lot of unknown. There was right. a lot of fear. There were also some really significant social justice issues that were playing out in the United States specifically and even within our own local community. Right. And so one thing that I truly believe, you know, our vision is to be able to end and prevent sexual violence from happening. Right. And really, in order to be able to do that, we also need to have a good understanding of anti-racism, anti-blackness, because it goes hand in hand. In order for us to be able to prevent and stop violence in any form, we also need to be able to prevent and stop racism in any form. And mm -hmm. so when I started at Reach Counseling, you know, our board, um, our executive committee, we had a lot of in-depth discussions around that. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we were also beginning to embark on a really um, thorough strategic planning process. And we knew that having that anti-racism piece be a part of that strategic plan 
would be absolutely necessary for us to be successful in achieving our mission. Right. And so with that, our team here, we developed some cultural values. So when you look at the word reach, our values represent the name of our organization. So we have respect, empowerment, accountability, collaboration, and healing. And those values guide our daily work. And we take time during every day, and actually we have all staff meetings, our entire staff meets Mm bi-weekly. And as a part of those meetings, we do what we call our vision, mission, and value highlight. And at that time, um, it's a time for peers to really acknowledge the great work that they're seeing from their colleagues and Mm -hmm. talk about how that work demonstrates our values here at REACH. And so we've been very intentional over the last two and a half years to ensure that we were communicating our values internally and externally and that we were really demonstrating them in everything that we do. Along with that, our board, so this really came from top leadership at the organization and our leadership team here and then our entire team, we decided to invest a significant amount of not only financial resources, but really time and energy into our anti-racism journey. Back in the fall of 2020, we started working with our anti-racism consultant. Her name is Dorothy Enriquez and she is with the Elevate Collective. Dorothy has worked alongside all of us to help transform all of our all of us have a better understanding right now every single person on our team of what it means to be anti-racist than what we all did when we embarked on that journey and so every other month Dorothy will work with our entire team and really she provides executive coaching to me and we talk during that time about any relevant issues that are going on within our organization and that can be between coworkers, that can be something that's going on maybe between one of our team members and a client. It can be something relevant that we're experienced with one of our one or more of our community partners. It can be something that's relevant to social justice issues that are taking place right now. And we tailor a curriculum and discussion and exploration of a topic or many topics during that all staff session to help us all grow and to become better at the anti-racism portion of our work. And so we've been doing that now the last two and a half years. Simultaneously, we developed um, some affinity groups. Mm. So we have an affinity group for our BIPOC staff, and this is a time for them to meet individually with Dorothy. This is only for our staff of color to talk with Dorothy, to share things that maybe they wouldn't feel the same way about sharing if they were in the company, of white individuals. So it's a time for them to have some really relevant, important conversations about what's taking place here at REACH, what's taking place in their work, maybe in their personal life, and to have some coaching and education and a time for them all to connect together around that. Right, right. We also have a white affinity group, mm-hmm. and really it does the same thing. It's a time for our white staff to get together to ask questions about anti-racism that pertain to their personal life, their professional life, any social justice issues that maybe they wouldn't feel as comfortable asking in the company of our BIPOC staff. And so that, that work has also been extremely, extremely powerful. 
As part of our strategic plan, each of our team members are required throughout the year to participate in individual learning, continued diversity, equity, and inclusion learning opportunities. We track that, we record it at each of our staff meetings. Once somebody has participated in a training, they actually report back to our entire staff on, on what it is that they've learned. Right and how that's impacting their work and how it can impact all of our work. Another thing that we do that has been really, really beneficial is at each of our staff meetings, one of our team members will volunteer to lead what we call a DEI moment. Mm. And, you know, if needed, our our anti-racism consultant will work with people individually to help coach them on that. But what it is, is it's a time for them to take a DEI topic, something that is related to diversity, equity, inclusion, and share and present their learnings to our whole team. And I have learned so much from our incredible team members over the last two and a half years. We've covered topics like, you know, the pipeline from schools to prison for a lot of BIPOC people in the United States. We've learned about food deserts. We have learned about indigenous peoples and how there was a time when they were forced to go to schools that were very, very abusive for them in their community. And what is the impact of that now? You know, we had a chance to really learn a lot and have deep discussions around all of this. And, you know, as a result, what's interesting is we do performance evaluations twice a year. Mm -hmm. As part of those evals, all of our team members have an opportunity to anonymously give some feedback to other members of the team, to their peers. Mm -hmm. So, and it's always randomly selected. All of our team has been trained by Dorothy on how to give productive, meaningful, impactful feedback. That's that's key. Which is key, because we don't want anyone leaving feeling like, oh my goodness. But what that has allowed us to do is, with the help of Dorothy and the work of our team, we can hire based on what is a good culture fit for us. But we can also start to ask questions of, okay, Do your personal values align with the values at REACH? And if they don't, is this a place that's a good fit for you? So now we've really actually intertwined all of our anti-racism work into our culture so deeply that we're really able to hire folks that fit and align with our values and want to be here and are very, very passionate about the work. And if they find that maybe that's not a fit once they're here, we're able to sit down and have those difficult conversations around, okay, well, what needs to happen to make this a fit? Or is reach the right place for you right now where where you're at in your life, in your journey? And that has really helped our team to grow, to bond, and to really do some impactful work that maybe looks a bit different than what it had in the past. Right. And I wanted to touch base a little more on the hiring aspect with DEI questions and things like that, because that's something that's been brought up by other people I've interviewed for this. And I think it's something that makes REACH unique or a part of a growing movement to include that in the hiring process. Can you talk a little bit about, obviously you've hit on why that's important, but how do you go about making that part of the process and how does it determine your decision-making and hiring? Yeah. Well, I will say for each and every single one of our positions, regardless as to whether it's an admin or a support staff position, whether it's a direct service position, whatever that looks like, whatever their role is going to be at REACH, there is a section during their interview where we do take time to share our cultural values. Mm -hmm. 
we will ask, how do you see yourself aligning with one or more of our values in your day-to-day life, whether it's personal or professional? We also do ask, where are you at right now in your personal diversity, equity, and inclusion journey? Have you taken any classes? Are you participating in any kind of social justice initiatives? What does that look like for you? And if you haven't or you're you're not doing that currently, is this something that you're open to? Because this is a big part of who we are and what right. we do at REACH. And we want to make sure that this is a great fit, not just for us, but for you too. You know, and it's been interesting. Yes, we have had several candidates that are almost right there where we are with our whole team and have done a lot of in-depth anti-racism work in their own in their own journeys. And we have other folks who are very candid and honest who say, you know what, this isn't something I'm actively doing or that I've actively done. However, you have really piqued my interest here and I want to learn more. Do right. you have resources you can share with me? I want to learn more. This is amazing. And those folks also have an opportunity to be a great fit at REACH. Right, right. So it's not just about being the right fit on paper as far as credentials or skill set, but it's also about fitting in with the culture and the desire to grow and expand horizons and and gain a greater understanding of what people from different backgrounds go through. Yes. Yeah. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about why you're so passionate about nonprofits in particular. You know, I have an interesting career path. Um, So if you would have talked to me 15, 20 years ago when I was just starting out on that career path and you asked me, one day will you be working for a sexual assault service provider? I probably would have looked at you like a deer in the headlights, like what are you talking about? (laughs) However, you know, there's been, I would say, kind of this, this intervention from the universe along my journey. And I started out teaching in inner city in Chicago. And I had 36 kids in my kindergarten class. The majority of them had never been to a Head Start or an early start. Um, This was their first experience in a classroom. That really opened my eyes to systemic poverty. Right. And the need for systemic change. Um, One of my first days there, uh, I found out that our lunch period was going to be at 1.20 in the afternoon. Oh, okay. And these are kids that are five and six years old. This is a little late. Even me as an adult at that point, I was like, I'm going to be starving by them. We weren't allowed to eat in the classrooms. And so oh. I really needed to go down and talk to the administration and say, hey, we've got to have a snack. We've got to have something. So the principal told me, if you can line up all 36 of those kids and get them down to the lunchroom before all the other lunches start, we will have a snack provided for you. I said, yes, we will be there. So the first time we all went down there and it was a production getting them all to line up and walk through those halls quietly and and make it there. But we did. They gave out apples for snacks. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And so I'm handing out these apples to all these kids. And they're super excited because there really were not grocery stores located in that neighborhood. The majority of their food came from the corner liquor store. So things like Cheetos and chips and small little sugar huggy drinks, those types of things. So they're like, wow, you know, what is this? This apple. Most of them had never had had apples before and as I'm walking around and I went back I, I brought I had this big box of apples that I brought back kind of back by where the the lunch staff was and brought that back and when I came back to collect the garbage literally the majority of them had eaten the stems the seeds like the core oh my goodness. of the apple because they had never had an apple before oh and so that really really was very um 
that had a significant impact on just my life in general and opened my eyes to what else was out there. And what was interesting is the school that I taught at was probably only two miles from where I lived in Chicago. But it was definitely a place I had not traveled to before. And so that ignited a passion, I think, for really aligning my work with systemic change. And so, you know, after that, I I taught in another school and for a short amount of time. And I was always that teacher that was like, hey, should we be going to the local farmer's market? They did have one, even though it was an up and coming neighborhood that had a lot of gang violence. There was a community group that gathered that had a market on the weekends. And should we be going there and trying to recruit families? This was a smaller, a Catholic school. And see if we can get more kids to be coming here on scholarship. And I had different ideas for like, let's do an around the world night where each classroom worms about a different country and we have food and we do all these things. And finally the principal said, do you want to move out of the classroom and come, (laughs) come in the office and help recruit families to join us, um, to come here, to be a part of this. And I was like, yes. And so at that point I started doing a lot of their development work. I was a director of advancement. So that really was my first introduction into fundraising. Um, the school did a really large gala, an annual event that I, I played a big role in. And at that time the school was also running simultaneously a capital campaign Mm -hmm. to make some building expansion and improvements. And I really enjoyed that job a lot. And actually I keep in touch with a lot of the kids now they are some of them the majority of them um, had immigrated here from Puerto Rico Mm. and many of them now are graduating college and they're the first members of their family to graduate high school in the United States and then also pursue a college education so it's been really cool to still be connected with all of them through social media and really see um, those important milestones not only just for them but for their family members too. And so after that position, uh, my family, we relocated here to the Fox Valley. I was from the area, went to high school Mm -hmm. here. And uh, I started working at the Building for Kids, the Children's Museum, Mm -hmm. and was really fortunate that at that time the museum had a very strong board. And so I was able to work really closely with a lot of mentors from our community and learn things about strategic planning and financials for nonprofits and financial reporting and was able to later carry that with me um, as the executive director at St. Vincent de Paul and then again here to reach counseling. Wow, I had no idea about your background in teaching and all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's been an interesting path, um, but I will say every position that I have held has really taught me a little bit more and helped me to get to where I am today to be able to work and partner with our team here at REACH and, and to be able to see the success that we're having. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is, has it always been a thing to hire advocates that are of different backgrounds and like, you know, specific advocates? So like Asian, Latina, like, has that always been a thing or is that something you pushed for or how did that come to be? That's a great question. I will say we did have some advocates with, um, you know, differing backgrounds, especially more diverse backgrounds for this particular community when I started at REACH. So we had Mary Carmen Fabian, who is our Latina advocate. She was here. Mm -hmm. Um, We, at the time, the position, um, the person who had been there for a long time was on a medical leave, but we did have an indigenous people advocate. Mm -hmm. However, um, since my time at REACH, our advocacy team has expanded. So now we have a a Hmong advocate that's Mm -hmm. here. 
And we've also, we're expanding that into working more with people who have disabilities. You know, a lot of different backgrounds that we see here in the Fox Valley that historically have been underrepresented in services. It's so important, especially with the stigma that's associated with sexual violence and sexual assault, that if that happens to a member of our community, that they have someone that looks like them right. and understands their language and their culture so that they feel comfortable seeking the services that they need. So we have grown the services that we we offer that are very culturally specific, and that is an area that I can tell you strategically, we will continue to grow to meet the growing needs of our, our community. Right. I think that's what makes REACH unique in another way. So I, I think that's amazing. And to hear that that's a goal to continue to grow that and to support that is really, really, uh, I think, comforting for people. Can you tell me what your vision for REACH is five, ten years from now? I know that's like a tough question, but I'm just curious what you would say. Yeah. So obviously our, our end goal is to be able to end sexual violence. Right. right? Work yourselves um, out of a job. Yes. Yep. But I am I am realistic. And yeah. I worked in nonprofits for a long time. Right. And so I know that, yes, REACH will still be around five to ten years from now. Our goal will always be to be able to best serve the people that need our services in this community. So, right. you know, we will continue to expand all of our programs. We will continue to hire culturally representative people to serve the populations that we're working with. We will really do whatever it takes, whether that's fundraising or finding other different sources of revenue to keep us going to meet whatever needs are present here in our local community. That's awesome. So it's not it's not necessarily something specific. It's that overarching, let's just keep uh, assessing the needs and meeting those needs. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and as part of our strategic planning process, we review that plan on an annual basis. Okay. And that is a part of what we do each year is we work with not just our team here, but the intent is to be able to work with our community partners and other members of the community that we're interacting with to say, hey, what are you seeing? What's right. out there? And how can we best help based on our mission, our values? What can we do to improve the Fox Cities and make it a better place to live for everyone. Would you say that you are happy with the board of directors? Like, do you feel like you have a good variety of people on the board? Are you looking for other board members? Could you talk about that a little? Great question. Um, I feel incredibly grateful to work with the board of directors that we here Mm. have here at Reach Counseling. Um, So we have an outstanding board of directors at this point in time. We are always looking though, for team members to come and join the work that we're doing. And so if there's someone out there that's listening that has, you know, time, talent, that is they want to share and they want to be a part of this work, absolutely, please reach out to me. My name is Kristen Trimberger. My email address, my phone number, where I'm on Reach Counseling's website. Always looking to recruit new talent, um, new ideas, fresh energy. Um, But yes, we are very fortunate. You know, we have been very intentional about the board members that we have recruited over the last two and a half years. So really thinking about what does our organization need as we go through this growth and through this expansion? What types of expertise do we need? What type of representation do we need on our board to be successful in doing that? And so... We've been very mindful to work with places like Volunteer Fox Cities 
Also, a lot of our local funders um, that have large workforces within their organization will send out things to their employees saying, hey, Reach Counseling is looking for this. And that's been very successful for us as well. Mm. Also, word of mouth. We mm-hmm. have some board members that have been with us now that are coming to the end of their term that say, hey, I have a neighbor who does this. I think they'd really like Reach. Would you be willing to sit down and have some coffee with them? You know, that has been... I would say the top three ways that we have really been able to connect with community members that are passionate about us. We also vet them the same way that we do our employees as they're coming in. So typically I will take them out for coffee, get to know them. There is an application that they fill out. That then goes to our executive committee. They'll review, have some discussion, and then one of our executive committee members will also connect with them for either coffee or lunch, share with them more about the work that we're doing at REACH, make sure that they're a great fit. Then we pass that along to the entire board for further discussion. So it is a vetting process, um, and it has worked really well for us. Yeah, that's great. And the one thing that I kind of, the theme that I hear running through everything that you're saying is that People are united for REACH Counseling behind the mission, vision, and values. People not only are united behind that, but they understand it and they know what those things are. And, uh, you know, I would just like to point out to the listeners, and Kristen was stating those vision statements. She was not reading that off of something. She said that from memory. She knew it. And that I would say the same of of most of the staff and volunteers and board members. Like, they know what the mission, vision, and values are. And that brings such a unification to the organization. And that's something I haven't seen at many other places. So... Congratulations to you on your leadership and servant leadership, really. I mean, you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. You're in uh, in the thick of things with people, and that makes a huge difference. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that, Jessica. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you'd like to say or share with the listeners? Really just that I am so grateful for the opportunity to be here at Reach Counseling. This really aligns with not only my personal, my professional values, but just with my passion to want to make a difference in our community and, and wanting to make it a better place. So I, this is a place that really I hold very close to my heart, and I am extremely grateful to have this amazing opportunity to work with our team here and to serve our community. Thank you so much, Kristen. And thank you. Every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. You are not alone. REACH Counseling is here to help, and we're expanding our reach. Since 1976, we have offered our services throughout Winnebago County. We are pleased to now offer our services in Outagamie and Calumet counties as well. REACH Counseling is a sexual assault service provider for children and adults that offers culturally responsive outreach, prevention education, victim advocacy, trauma counseling, and sex offender treatment. As an anti-violence agency, we strive to heal lives and transform communities. Call our 24-7 helpline anytime at 920-722-8150. For more information, visit us at reachcounseling.com.